You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday the 23rd of March. Up bright and early here in TW11 as I've got to get to Dubai for the World Cup. Safely ensconced in the Emirate already is Rishi Passad. He'll be along shortly with his bulletin on yesterday's draw and also picking out some of the horses, not only in the big race, life is good's drawn in one by the way, but also some of the key players uh, we're likely to see on the undercard. A little bit later in the show, given that we've just had the latest forfeit stage for the Randox Grand National, I'll be catching up with trainer Charlie Longston, who saddles Snow Leopardess. She's one of the favourites for the race, having won over the big fences in November. She is now guaranteed a run in the race. As we do every Wednesday, we'll be hearing from J.A. McGrath with his thoughts on the racing in Hong Kong. This week, Jim will also be paying tribute to Jimmy Lindley, his former BBC colleague and brilliant jockey of his time, who's very sadly passed away at the age of 86. But first of all, important and worrying news uh, involving uh, the police in France and a number of senior racing figures. Uh, this emerged uh, last uh, evening. Uh, Catherine Ford, the Akidia and Sky Sports journalist, joins me to discuss. Catherine, what's happened here? Well, Nick, yeah, this is three, three and a half months on from the previous raids, which saw Frederic Rossi, Charlie Rossi and Cedric Rossi um, arrested in, uh, in early December. And it looks as though this is a similar type of thing. Police raids across uh, France and also in Spain and in Italy in the early, in the early part of this morning. Um, the article in uh, Le Parisien, which has documented quite a lot of what's been going on, has said that there have been 23 people arrested. These include uh, vets, pharmacists, trainers, breeders and owners. And uh, this has gone on kind of in the four corners of France, the south, the southeast, Brittany, Normandy, the Rhône-Alpes region, the north and also the wider Paris region. And it's uh, not only thoroughbred racing, it's also trotting racing, which seems to be quite heavily involved with this episode and also some equestrian establishments which are apparently involved. So there have been a number of arrests um, a journalist colleague has informed me, has confirmed to me that David Cotin, one of the leading jumps trainers in France, is among those uh, who was arrested. And his uh, his uh, stable was raided this morning by the police in the in the Chantilly area. Now, the investigation, which has been going on for several months, has involved um, phone tapping, investigations, surveillance, and cooperation between various um, arms of the police. Uh, of the police force here in France and uh, it said that they have identified two supply chains of forbidden drugs coming from the Basque region of Spain and also in northern Italy and two people have been arrested in connection with that so um, that's basically the bare bones of the of the information at the moment and uh, France Gallo and their trotting counterparts Lutreau have sent out a press release this afternoon um, not really giving any more details but just kind of reminding that uh, they do fully support this uh, investigation and anything that is done to uh, to stamp out uh, drug abuse and uh, and fraud in racing, and they've reminded that uh, the budget, the annual budget, is 10 million euros for dope testing, etc., and 26,000 tests 
are carried out each year. So, so that's the news, Nick. Is there any belief, uh, Catherine, or is, is the is the uh, is it the widespread belief that uh, France Gallo and their counterparts, the, the sort of trotting authorities, have, have instigated um, have instigated these uh, these investigations and then passed their passed their suspicions to the police, or are these entirely police led? Um, there's been no words uh, in that sense from either France Gallo or Le Treux. I think they have kind of fully, um, fully cooperated with it uh, throughout. But I, I wouldn't like to say where the original uh, kind of idea came came from to mm. to go on with this investigation. But it's a it's clearly a, a, a very significant inquiry. Just for our international listeners, just give a bit of context as to how big a player in French horse racing David Cotin, one of the arrested parties, is. Well, David Cotin, he's um, a young trainer. He was a former champion jump jockey, and uh, he's been uh, very successful since he switched uh, to to training. He notably won at the Cheltenham Festival two years ago, the cross country with Easysland. He's had uh, Group One winners at Otoy, which is our premier jumps track here. Um, I would say he'll have a stable of uh, maybe a hundred or so horses in the in the Chantilly region so uh, he's one of the top for four or five jumps professionals here in France and of course um, jumping is a big sport here in France as it is in uh, in the UK and Ireland maybe more so than some of your international listeners from kind of the states or, or Asia may um, may be aware but yeah, David Cotton a very big name um, who's had success so far in his short career. Without asking you to cast aspersions on any of the people involved in this or the the previous round of arrests, has there been a feeling in France that there is a widespread issue with illegal or performance-enhancing drugs, or has this come as a surprise to the French racing community? Well, there have been rumours. I mean, as we said before the year before, or at the moment of the year, Rossi. Um, the Rossi situation in December. There have been rumours. There are similar rumours, I believe, in 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 Ireland and probably in the in the UK. Similar issues in um, in America as well, as far as I know. So yeah, there have been rumours circulating. Um, so in one way, it's good if things can come out into the open and people can uh, can either be condemned or cleared, as it were. And has has Cotin's license been suspended? Uh, as yet, uh, nothing has been officially kind of announced by by France Gallo, etc. I'm not even sure of how long he's going to be in police custody for. Um, I, in, uh, I mean, I don't want to put my head on the line, but uh, the the Rossies went were arrested for several days and their licenses were suspended. So, if that were to be the case, then I imagine that a similar a similar sanction would have befell him, but at the moment, at the moment, the information is that the police raided his stable this morning. That he is in police, that he was taken into police custody. But for the moment, I haven't got any more official news on this situation. All right, Catherine, thanks so much. Thanks, Nick. Well, I'll be en route to Dubai today to to join forces with the uh, Racecourse Media Group gang who are making the uh, international broadcast for the Dubai World Cup, which will be headed by Rishi Passad, who joins me now. Rishi, you're you're well ensconced um, in the Emirate now. How's the week been so far? Yeah, it's um, a, a lot of fun, as it always is, Nick. Um, just been to the draw today and a differing reactions for the big race, the Dubai World Cup, with the news that life is good. Uh, the best horse in the world has drawn uh, post position number one. Um, not entirely certain that's the best thing for him. Connections didn't seem blown away by it, but 
they they were happy with the hand they they were dealt. Uh, Side Vincent Raw, in contrast, <laughs> for for uh, real world, was absolutely buzzing about being drawn in stall six. So that's the latest news, anyway. Um, strong fields. Everyone quite excited by the potential of some of the races on on World Cup night. Yeah, just this point of, of real world. He's a horse that seems to be getting an awful lot of traction again, but. He wasn't great in the Saudi Cup. He's not got a victory on dirt to his name. And Saeed's sort of excitable body language belies a, an otherwise unconvincing profile on the main track. Can you give me any any hope? Well, not really. I have to be honest. When he won uh, earlier in the season on turf at Maidan, uh, I had a, a long discussion with Angus McNay, who was adamant at the time that it wouldn't even be worth trying him on the dirt. Funny enough, Saeed Bin Saroor, I interviewed him after he won on on that day on turf, and Saeed Bin Saroor said that the reason why he didn't run him on dirt prior to running him in the Saudi Cup was because if a horse suffers a defeat on a surf on unfamiliar surface when he wasn't quite 100%, that immediately the, the, the energy is towards not running that horse on that surface ever again. And he felt that the horse had come back and wasn't quite 100%, yet he won on the turf. Uh, and so he was happy to have a go on the dirt. Uh, and once again, having got beaten as he did, and I, I thought it was a convincing defeat, in the Saudi Cup, nothing was encouraging for the future on dirt. Uh, Saeed's happy to pitch him again, but Saeed today uh, at the draw was saying how well the horse worked and he's better than he was before he went into the Saudi Cup. And obviously Saeed Bin has won the Dubai World Cup more than anyone else. He's won it nine times. So there's that respect due to Saeed. But for the layman like myself, I can't see anything in his form that suggests that this should be the right... He should be running in the in the Dubai turf, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a Dubai turf where he'd have to have a great chance. I know it's a deeper race in the, than the one in which Lord North was successful last year. Um, life is good in store one. I mean, this is a horse with loads of pace. So there's only one way he's going to go. Is, is it because it's 10 furlongs? You think they were, they were trying to rate him a bit and ride him a little less aggressively? Well, I guess where he's positioned in store one, you can't acquiesce that position at all you've got to hold that position and the likelihood is that there are other horses i mean hypothetical who is a front runner not as good as life is good he's only going to go one way he's drawn in 10 and he's going to be fired out of the gates by Mikel barcelona and he's going to be desperate to get over to that lead so it'll still be a question of how close to the lead our ortiz wants to be early on and life is good um but then the likelihood is they're going to be going a decent gallop. It's likely to be a very, very fast run race, in which case then that slight stamina doubt comes into play, I think. And as far as the, the supporting card is concerned, and we've spoken a little bit about a pile driver who's on a retrieval mission in the, in the Shima Classic. He might not be the best horse in that race, though. <laughs> that is some race, I think. The Japanese... Uh, have almost annexed the top of the market in that race uh, with Shariah, uh, Authority and Glory Vaz. But uh, Yabir stands there majestically in the in the Godolphin blue for Charlie Appleby and William Buick on the back of a, a magnificent uh, campaign in 2021. I, I asked uh, Charlie Appleby about two or three weeks ago who was his best campaigner uh, in terms of his older middle distance horses and whether Manobo might possibly, having proven quite exciting so far in his short career and won impressively on his one start at the Dubai World Cup Carnival, um, whether Manobo might be a candidate for the 
Shima Classic, and he was adamant that there's no way that Monobo will be going for that race. That is Yabir's race. Um, he's got stall 12, slightly awkward, but he's going to be held up and delivered late. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm struggling a little bit with Pile Driver in that race. I think he might he might struggle himself. I think it's a deep field that Hookham, Alan Kerr, uh, even Dubai Honor, you know, slightly unexposed at a mile and a half uh, it's, it's a really really good race the Shima Classic it is um, Rich how is the, the, the mood in Dubai I talked to Laura King earlier on this week she obviously lives in, in Dubai you spend an awful lot of time there it, 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 I'm not saying that the, the fixture is on a retrieval mission but the pandemic has probably wreaked more havoc on this fixture than just about any other international major racing event I believe, and I'm certainly getting the vibe, that there's a concerted effort to re-establish the Dubai World Cup this year as uh, a really elite, not just racing event, but an elite sporting event. And all the people involved in the organisation and administration of the Dubai World Cup are doing everything they can in their power to ensure that all the participants uh, are having a great time and they're feeling very positive about it because I think the great thing for them is that the races have attracted deep fields internationally and they want to make the experience for those internationals so good that the word of mouth then carries back to whatever jurisdiction that these people are coming from and they'll be encouraged uh, to come back or if not come back then others will be encouraged to come along from those jurisdictions and I, and I it feels like it's been taken up a significant notch uh, not just obviously since the pandemic, but even in the years prior to, to the pandemic, where the threats of, I say threats, but the, the, the competition, particularly in the Gulf, uh, were, was just beginning to, to really ramp up. Uh, Rishi, thank you very much. What have you got planned for me for the weekend? I've got so many exciting things, Nick. Um, you like golf, don't you? Well, I mean, I I like to watch you playing golf. I mean, I couldn't pick up a golf club myself. Well, then you're, you're, you're going to be well catered for. Ah, okay, go on. <laughs> you can come and watch me play golf. Uh, there's a lot There's a lot going on. I mean, I'll, ca- I'll, I'll, I'll happily caddy for you. Well, I'll, I'll be happy to have you on the bag. I'm sure you'll be excellent on the bag. Uh, Breakfast with the Stars on Wednesday. You're not going to make it, are you? No, no, I'll be flying. I'm flying right now. The, 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 the breeze up, the golf's breeze up. Um, the, horse, the sale takes place on Wednesday night. That'll be... I'd be quite interested to see uh, the strength of the market. Um, and then a visit to the Expo as well. Uh, I'm getting a chance to have a look around there on Thursday. Um, and then obviously we're, we're building up for, for World Cup night. And I just wanted to also mention, uh, lucky the Alquaz Sprint. That is a terrific race. Uh, Man of Promise, Creative Force, A Case of You, uh, Sueza, Emiratiana, Casa Creed. I'm very excited by Man of Promise. Uh, he put up an uh, outstanding, almost astonishing performance when he won on Super Saturday. A, re- a repeat of that will make him very, very hard to beat. Well, it's not just about Dubai on Saturday, far from it, because Doncaster's season kicks off uh, on the flat as well, the traditional beginning of the flat turf season. It's also the real launch pad for racing in Yorkshire, the big summer festival of racing in Yorkshire. And Go Racing in Yorkshire's general manager, Charlotte Russell, joins me now. And Charlotte, you've launched a new initiative this year, which I think is going to be pretty striking for an awful lot of people. And it all begins this this weekend. Just tell us what it is. 
Yes, that's right, Nick. Uh, we've uh, launching this weekend the uh, Yorkshire Wonder Horse, sponsored by WM McIver and Son. Uh, we're really excited about it. Um, so um, it's um, it's for it, there's a prize, a hundred thousand pounds for the first horse to win at all nine Yorkshire race courses between Saturday the 26th of, of March, the, like you say, the start at, at Doncaster, and the 31st of December 2023. So there's about 21 months to try and do it. It's not going to be easy, um, but hopefully um, someone can do it. I remember when Weatherby's Hamilton launched the million pound bonus for the Stayer series, and I said, it's impossible. It can't be done. Le Moss couldn't do it. Ardross wouldn't have done it. Double trigger, Persian punch, Yates, none of them could do it. And of course, bingo, Ingo Stradivarius and does it twice in a row. Are you hoping for something similarly extraterrestrial? I do hope something will win it. It's not going to be easy. And obviously that's why it's a, a, a good prize pot. Um, I really do hope something can do it. It hasn't been done before, but then it's never been incentivized before. There hasn't been a target to do it. I mean, it's as straightforward as it can be. You, um, it, It's flat races and jump races. You just have to win one race at each of the nine Yorkshire race courses. Um, you don't have to state your intention to run or anything. You you just have to win the races. So even if you're not plotting it at the beginning of the season, if you rack up two or three, you might think, oh, do you know what? We'll we'll go back and, and run in Yorkshire because we could tick another one off. So um, hopefully, yes, I really do hope that that, that something will win it. It's a, it is a Herculean task. It really is. Um, I presume I'm trying to guess what type of horse would be the right type. But I'm guessing if you had a Th- a unexposed three-year-old now and won two or three handicaps on the flat and then that horse ended up juvenile hurdling then you, you could probably get a few more in the in the bag that way yes exactly i mean it, it could be it, it could be anything of course all of our um, nine courses do have flat racing so it there's no reason why it couldn't be a sprinter that can rack them up but like you say it would have to be fairly unexposed uh, to begin with um, and then you've obviously got to be rated high enough to get to get into York um, the courses are all very different so um, it's uh, it, it's going to take quite um, quite a special horse to do it the nearest the horse has ever got uh, was Kevin Ryan's Gralmano which won at eight races over a slightly longer time period but um, he managed to tick off eight courses in Yorkshire so it's nearly been done just not quite okay well hopefully this will focus people's minds um, that's the, an amazing challenge which begins this weekend, encompassing all nine Yorkshire racecourses. Go Racing Yorkshire, you've got a new chairman and someone familiar to a, to a lot of people in the racing and betting industries. Yes, that's right. Ben Warren took over at the uh, beginning of the month. Um, so really excited about working with him and uh, taking Go Racing in York, Yorkshire forwards um, in, in a new direction, I think. Fantastic. Uh, look forward to chatting to him during the course of the year. Best of luck with it, Charlotte. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Nick. So that's what's happening in Yorkshire this weekend. Charlie Longson is in Yorkshire as I speak to you because he's saddling horses at Weatherby Racecourse. But uh, more importantly, he has got uh, Snow Leopardess, one of the favourites for the Randox Grand National. And with the latest forfeit stage that took place yesterday, she's guaranteed a run in at number 37. We thought she'd get in, uh, Charlie, but that must come as something of a relief to you. Look, it's a big relief. Um, look, we, yeah, as I said, we thought she'd get in. Um, I sound, someone's told me that about 10 had come out above her, so she's, yeah, high 30s now, so fingers crossed. Um, we get there safe and sound in two, two and a half weeks' time. How's she getting on? All very good. All very good. She's going to have a little schooling session um, in Lambourne on Friday um, and a bit of work, and then once she's done that, we'll be treading carefully and getting her there. 
yeah, quite difficult to know how to play it with her because I don't think I've ever seen a horse jump those fences as beautifully, crisply and naturally as she did when she won the Beecher Chase back in the back in the autumn. I mean, how, how do you go about preparing her to do it again? We will go and give her a jump over them one more time, um, just to dot the I's, cross the T's, um, and then and then we've done our job, you know. And if if something goes wrong at Aintree, at least we've done our bit. Um, fingers crossed that won't happen. Yes, yeah, she loved the fences um, last time round. Um, everything will probably happen a little bit quicker this time, but I see no reason why. I mean, she's touching wood. She's always been a very good jumper, um, and I see no reason why that will change. I, I know it's a strange thing to say, but. Are you confident that she will stay every yard of the distance? Very confident, yes. Um, she just idled that day at um, in the beach chase. Um, it's go drive going into driving headwind and driving rain. As the jockey said, as the jockey said, he'd have been gutted if if he got beaten because it was it wasn't the horse's fault. She had plenty left in the tank. She just got she just got um, she just got lonely in front. Um, so look. She will stay. She will stay. I don't want to heap any more pressure on you, and I know you've got to go. But how tangible is the is the sense of excitement about going there with really a, a meaningful chance for a, an amazing owner breeder as well? It's nerve wracking as well as exciting. Um, there'll be a fair few sleepless nights before the big race. All right, Charlie. Thanks so much. Brilliant. Thanks, Nick. Well, as I said at the beginning of the of the show, time now to catch up with with J. A. McGrath for his his weekly bulletin. Uh, from the east but Jim before we talk about uh, Hong Kong uh, very sad news of the passing of, of your former BBC colleague Jimmy Lindley who's died at the age of uh, of 86 a, a truly lovely man who, who we spoke to about his his friend Joe Mercer on the podcast just a, a few months ago and um, you knew him I think better than better than most and and uh, what are your what are your memories of Jimmy? Well, I've got some great memories of Jimmy. I worked alongside him in the paddock for BBC for, I'd say, the best part of a decade. Uh, Jimmy was a lovely bloke, uh, old school, always immaculately groomed, always well-mannered, ever polite, very loyal. And uh, in his time, of course, a first-class jockey. Uh, he, um, he rode some of the... The very good horses of his era. Uh, he won a King George. He won three classics. Uh, he rode for Jeremy Tree. Um, he uh, he famously uh, partnered uh, Aggressor for uh, Towser Gosden to win the, uh, the the King George. And Towser, of course, trained Charlottetown, uh, who Jimmy rode early in his career. But uh, uh, Towser Gosden had to retire, and uh, Gordon Smythe took over the training, and uh, of course Jimmy lost the ride uh and uh, it was uh, probably ironic that um uh, black prince uh, the horse that jimmy rode in the 1966 derby actually finished third to uh, to charlottetown so you know he had a, a very very long history in, in racing he uh, he had weight worries which forced him over hurdles he actually ran third in the, in the 1958 champion hurdle um, but he, wrote, he was associated with some of the great stables, Jeremy Tree, uh, Guy Harwood. He was also the man who we remember who went to Kentucky and recruited Steve Cawthon for, uh, for Robert Sangster. And when Steve came over to the UK, he was his mentor right from the start. But he rode against the, the uh, jockeys such as Joe Mercer, Lester Piggott. Edward Hyde, Scobie Breasley, uh, but you know he was he was really old school in in every way. But because of that, he was always proficient and always professional, uh, and it was uh, it was great. 
he of course um, would be remembered by I suppose some of uh, some uh, modern day followers as a BBC um, um, paddock commentator and he had a I would say a unique uh, style of commentary in the paddock uh, his English grammar didn't always match his high standards of uh, observation around the parade ring but nevertheless he was well liked and he was never a harsh critic he was always sympathetic to riders I I sort of have rather fond memories of him, Jim. Growing up as a as a boy, listening to his his paddock commentary, just because every time I I heard his voice, I, I it was one of those voices of the English summer, if you like. And I know that sounds you know pathetically nostalgic in a way, but if you heard Jimmy Lindley's voice, I just thought of you know all the doors and windows being open and the and the and the birds singing and. I, I don't know. It's, it's a romantic notion, I guess, but he, he had a, he had that voice that voice of a of an English summer, I suppose. He did, and of course that style matched the BBC coverage at that time. As you remember, we you know we had the time in in TV uh, to actually have have uh, or listen to birds singing down at the start. You'd be at Newbury, there'd be a long shot, and there'd be you know half a dozen horses out in the tranquil uh, countryside in Berkshire, and it, you were capturing something very very much uh, magical, and as you say, very much English summer about it. Uh, so yeah, he did fit that. Uh, he did fit that mould very, very well. Uh, you know, he was... Um, but he did so many things in racing. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know that he was an assistant starter at the Hong Kong Jockey Club in the, in the early 70s. He was actually toying with the idea of uh, stewarding. Um, but uh, it was uh, Julian Wilson who uh, recruited him for BBC, and he, he was with the BBC for the best part of three decades. He was part of a, a great group of jockeys in his time. As you say, he was toying with the idea of working out in, in Hong Kong. That's the way you and I connect every every week on this podcast and, and continue to do so. What news have you got from, from Hong Kong this week? Well, of course, it was the, it was the derby uh, uh, last week and um, you know we had a, had a, a great uh, renewal of the derby. Uh, Romantic Warrior uh, winning for Karis Teton in a pulsating finish uh, with California Spangle. Uh, written by Zach Purton. Uh, both of them had drawn a little bit wide at the 2000 start. It's a mile and a quarter. Very short run to the first turn. In in usual Purton style, Zach attacked right from the start and went right over to the rail and led for most of the way. But in the end, a romantic warrior got him right on the line. It was, uh, I think, a, a, a very high-quality derby. I think we saw two very good horses uh, and, uh, you know, a, a really good renewal of this classic which of course remains the single most uh, important race for owners in hong kong there may be more glamorous international races but as far as the local owners are concerned they want to win that derby it's all about face and it also comes down to uh, who can who can uh, put on the best party uh, the best post-race post-classic party so it'll be very interesting to see what the connections do uh, with romantic warrior what have you got for me today, Jim? Happy Valley. We've got the usual nine-race card. Uh, a very interesting and challenging card, I'd say. Uh, there's a, a horse there called uh, uh, Lucky Swainess, who's a very, very good horse, who's um, uh, two from two. Uh, he's um, got a lot of speed. He's a horse who's, uh, I think, is going to make it uh, three out of three. And uh, he'll be a short price. But I think he should win and win well. All right, thanks to the croc. Thanks to all my guests today. Rishi's still with me. Rishi is uh, the man charged with providing your international tip today. Well, it could be anywhere, to be honest, but what have you got for me? 
you want it for Saturday, World Cup night. Anything you like. Anything I like. Well, man of promise in the Alcor sprint. <laughs> to be honest, I know he's around nine to four. I think that's a great prize. I think he is the best six foot long turf sprinter in the world. Great stuff. Rish, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. That was Wednesday, the 23rd of March. I'll be uh, joining you, or you'll be joining me, I hope, from Dubai tomorrow. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.